The opinions expressed in the following program are those of the producer and not necessarily those of WKTV Community Media. Family-owned Faro's Pizza underwrites this episode of Grand Rapids Ghost Hunters podcast. Newly opened at 901 Gazan Parkway, Southwest Wyoming, and available at 616-483-0002. We hear things in the deep dark night. We see things in the shadows, in the corners of our eyes. In mind and dim light, we sense things when they just aren't right. Our dealings are not with human flesh and bone, but rather with an essence that defies even the basic laws of nature, like space and time. These elusive selves challenge our logical minds, forcing us to take faith in the unseen the unsubstantiated. We cling to theory, statistical inevitability, and the imminent manifestation of mystery. Brought to you by WKTV, I'm one of your ghost hosts, Wayne Preston Curtis Thomas. Welcome to a very special episode of Grand Rapids Ghost Hunters podcast. As always, we ask that you please keep an open mind about things that you might not easily believe as we explore the mysterious. Once again, welcome to the show, my co-host. Hey everybody, I'm Brandon Jose of Jose History Productions YouTube channel, the uh, YouTube home of the Grand Rapids Ghost Hunters podcast. We have a very special guest here tonight. He's actually from the Island of the Dead. Now, <laughs> Yates in the stolen child said, come away, O human child, to the waters in the wild with fairy hand in hand. So Todd Clements moved to Fairy Island. Please welcome author, uh, historian, you name it. He's got a long list of accolades. He's also operator of Haunts of Mackinac, Todd Clements. How are you? Anticipating your, all your stories. Oh, how many days do we have? <laughs> I know. You know, I was kind of surprised. It's like there's 10 years in between the publishing of the two books. Uh, Yeah, about that. And I'm working on another one. All right. How's that coming? Um, I like to tell stories I hate to write. Oh, yeah. So it's a matter of getting me to sit down get on the computer and just start typing. They're all up here, and they're, they're on pieces of paper and research and all that and books and everything, but to get me to put it on paper, on digital, yeah, that's the twisting of my arm. So is it another Haunts of Mackinac then? Yep, it's Haunts of Mackinac 3. Uh, the working title is gonna be the final chapter doesn't mean it'll be the last book, but it's the last in a trilogy of this style of book. We might do something different with it. Now, I like your book. Someone could like buy your books and then use it for a roadmap if they were on the island, if they wanted to go to different locations because you tell them exactly where those locations are. And not only that, you rate each location as mm -hmm. far as how haunted it is, the frequency of haunts. You want to explain that a little bit, how that works? 
It was something I saw someone do a long time ago. I liked the idea of it, and it just sort of stuck with me. And the frequency of how often are people seeing this every day, every few weeks, every few years? Um, what are they seeing? Are they or experiencing? Are they experiencing a subtle footstep? Or are they seeing full-out apparitions or objects moving or to that extent? And uh, so that's kind of the way I did it. It's changes over time, which unfortunately, once it's printed, it's there. But uh, some places have become more active. Some places become less active for construction or who knows why, but it can vary. So I kind of regret doing it to an extent. But I like doing it because it gives people an idea of places that might be more haunted than others. Yeah, and you kind of do, at least in the first book, it's kind of like uh, Ghost Hunting 101. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to cover some of that stuff because it was a little bit different. We've we've had on recently, we had on Kat Tetson. Mm -hmm. And then we had on the Duchesnes from Kalamazoo. The, yep. And so they they look at it a little bit differently than you do as far as how what you call your types of ghosts. Yeah, I found that uh, names have evolved since I was a kid. And it went from an imprint with, to a residual haunt. And that's one thing I know that changed from when I wrote the first book. Um, I went on basically a lot of things that I had learned over the years growing up, and it kind of sticks with you. And then when everybody starts saying residual instead of imprint, I'm like, okay, so it's residual. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, you, for residual, you had historic repeaters which yep. and imprints, which I've changed mine to um, residual to historical because really – it's usually some kind of historic e event. It doesn't have to be an ancient historic event. No, no. But it is an event that happened in history. And then sentient was would be your equivalent to intelligent, I'm assuming. Exactly. Yeah. I'm just, I'm, like I say, when I wrote the book, I was going off of books I'd, and things I'd learned growing up, and it kind of sticks with you. That's one thing, too, I've definitely noticed is a lot of terminologies for things definitely change a lot in the paranormal field. All of a sudden, it, like, one <laughs> one becomes the fad of what to call it, and then all of a sudden, everybody starts calling it that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> when Ghost Hunters came out, it became residual haunts. Yeah. Before that, a lot of us called it historical repeaters or imprints or where something does the same thing every single time without any effect by us we can't change what happens it's the same outcome do you think that's what you get mostly is that residual type on Mackinac island we have everything oh yeah uh, we've had i've come across one residual i come across more active like intelligent haunts than okay. i've come across residuals and then do you carry uh, equipment with you, or do people that go on the tour, do they carry ghost hunting equipment? Not every single tour, but yeah, we have we have plenty of people bringing all kinds of toys. Um, when we do some of the ghost hunting, 
Uh, I've seen people bring things. I'm just like, what does that do? <laughs> you never know. You're going to get something new. Somebody built it in their garage. Oh, okay. Yeah. I imagine. So, but do they, they, they bring stuff that has a lot of bells and whistles. Are they like going off as they're walking through the tour? Um, yeah, it goes off during the tour and it usually that the tour goes about an hour and a half when something happens and they've got a meter and it's going crazy and it doesn't make sense why it's going crazy. The tour goes longer and longer because no one wants to leave the location. They want to see if something's going to happen, <laughs> if they're going to see a ghost or hear something or hear a voice from the other world. So, yeah, when they bring equipment, uh, all the guides were, were pretty much expecting it to go longer. Like so many of the people that we have on this show, you had an early introduction to the supernatural. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was 12 years old, and uh, I'm not going to say how old I am, but I've been doing it well over 30 years now. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it started as, as a hobby as a kid. I saw, I saw a ghost when I was 12 um, on Mackinac Island, and it pretty much went from that to going to the local library back home and getting Hans Holzer books, finding out about the Warrens, finding out about all the there's so many books that i've read over the years um then i got a subscription to the time life mysteries of the universe or mysteries of the unknown and i started reading about that which made me just actually wonder even more about the things and what i've seen so it, it became a lifelong interest it started very amateur we had dowsing rods and an audio cassette recorder that was like the size of a shoebox. we go to places where we heard a ghost story Oh, we heard this is haunted. We sit there with dowsing rods and a, <laughs> an audio cassette recorder and just talk to the darkness and see if we could find something that was more for fun. I was the only one who was really serious about it. All my friends were just like, eh, it's something fun to do. Let's go do it. And, um, yeah, over the years, better equipment, started getting uh, douse, douse meters, just all kinds of different equipment. And uh, now I have, like, practically a historical museum of paranormal investigation equipment. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, your dowsing rods, were those, what were they made out of, copper? Copper. Copper, and the handles were designed so that you could not affect them easily. There were loose handles on them, and basically it was, uh, we used plastic tubes on copper wire, or copper yeah, they were wire. And so you couldn't turn them with your fingertips. You could lean them up and down and possibly affect it, but you couldn't turn anything with your fingertips. Like some, I know you can do that with some dowsing rods. Yeah. My, my grandfather would use a willow branch. Oh yeah. For yeah. dowsing. I heard yeah. about that. Looking for water. Well, for water, right. Where we were going to drill our well out in our yard. Yeah, it's funny how the some of that stuff comes back though, and it works. Yeah, the water one. Yeah, we we did it just for fun one time to see. Oh, does this really work? And really, like, yeah, it actually did work. I was like, trees know where the water is. Yeah, in your first book, you answered the question, "Why do ghosts haunt?" And that when I was doing interviews, that was the thing, you know, that people wanted to know. They'd be have tears in their eyes. They'd be crying. You know, why is this thing in my house? 
Why is mm -hmm. it affecting my children? So you have a you have a list of five reasons. Doesn't know it's dead. Number one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's the person that usually that is accidental death, murder victim, someone who is just there one minute and they're gone, and they didn't even know it. Kind of a good way to explain it to most people who don't understand. It's like the movie The Sixth Sense where Bruce Willis's character, he didn't know he died at first. Right. And he was wondering, why is everybody ignoring me? Why won't anyone talk to me? Right. And that category also includes kids that are confused yeah. and lost. So they don't that's one of the what happened. Yeah, that's one of the most tragic ones, I think. And uh, those ones are sad. You have unfinished business. That's probably just practicing someone's free will, I guess. Yep. I was supposed to do something. I have to finish what I was trying to do. Um, unfinished business tends, I think it has to do with like saying goodbye to loved ones or <clears throat> say there's a safe in the floor and you want your son to know that the safe is in the floor and he doesn't know about it and you try and lead him to it like unfinished business. It's... Um, it's or interesting. Someone, or you're a murder victim, finding the killer. <laughs> it's interesting you bring up money because that's what my grandfather, when he was an adolescent, he was coming back from fishing and he saw what looked like a light of a lantern stopping on his neighbor's farm. His neighbor had died recently. So this light of a lantern would go to different places and stop. They came back the next day. They dug up jars of money. Yeah. Every place where yeah. that light stopped. And so then they got a portion of that loot unfinished business yeah and then you have messenger that can yep. kind of overlaps it overlaps a little bit messenger is uh like some people te uh will test that those are more ange angelic spirits where they're saying don't go down that dark alleyway something bad will happen like they give you a nudge or a message to let you know someone's okay. They passed on. They've gone to the. They're fine. They're in the afterlife, and you won't hear from them anymore. They're just saying goodbye. Message, sending a message. Um, yeah, that's messenger is kind of. It's very similar. Yeah, that'd be a good one to run into. Other than vengeance, your fifth, your fourth one. That's vengeance. That yeah. sounds scary. There. That's the angry ghost that's just like, uh, you killed me, I'm going to get you, or I saw what you did. You know, it's just anger. Yeah. It's not usually, from what I've seen, vengeful ghosts aren't good ghosts to deal with. Um, they're, they're very angry. Typically, if you're going to come into a violent situation with a human ghost, it'll be a vengeful ghost. Um, so, yeah, I try to steer clear. We have a few of them on the island, but not many. Okay. And then your fifth one, last one, is material attachments to things. Mm -hmm. uh, say you had, uh, I'm trying to think of something that's really like valuable to someone, a piece of jewelry or something that you worked so hard to get or it meant so much to you in your life that it, you were inseparable. You couldn't be without it. It was basically part of you and when you die you kind of you lose it but you want to still have it 
so you get attached to it. I've heard stories of attachments to jewelry, weapons, cars, buildings. I mean, there's a lot of them if you think about it. Uh, Hollywood does a good job with it, of course, with like movies like Christine, where it's it's a car. She's attached to a car, and she haunts the car, and the car's possessed. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people who do with that. Um, John Zaffis is the first person I know who did a lot with haunted attachments. Uh, the Newkirks do their haunted attachment museum. Uh, Jason Hawes' daughter, I think, has a haunted museum. So there's people who have a lot of items that have something attached to them. Yeah, you have to be willing to give that up say goodbye to that stuff and and yeah. move on i it heard that the only material possessions the only attachment you can take with you is love so yeah, i heard for sure i agree at this time in your book you brought up and i think i really like this is sense smells oh yeah it's i've i've had plenty of that um on the island you have a lot of that yeah, we've had perfumes, we've had cigars, which people, you can't, those are something that you, you can't explain it sometimes. Because um, wood tr and, and like fabrics can trap smells and if the humidity is the right level and the temperature is the right level, sometimes things can release a smell. So I'm always skeptical of smells, but there have been times where it's really, really strong and you're like, that's not a faint smell of a cigar. That's a very strong smell of a cigar. It could be someone in the area, but usually when you're in a building, the windows are shut. You're not going to smell it unless they're in the building with you. Uh, but yeah, I've had foul odors. Um, those ones you worry about because you hear about foul odors and demonic right. um, entities. Most of mine have been perfume, pipe tobacco, cigar tobacco, um, trying to think of anything else we've had like cherries and... oh, smelled oh, we, we we smelled oranges one time and it didn't make any sense we still don't know why it was really strong smell of oranges once yeah we've had cherries and strawberries and like you said those nasty sulfur and decaying oh, yeah. smells too those you kind of yep. worry about you're like where's the body buried because i smell it <laughs> that yeah it smelled like death i mean we've had yeah. some bad ones Right, like, I think we had cat litter one time, and then we were getting EVPs of a cat meowing, too, which was weird at one location. We yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Hey, I've, I've and there was no cat in the location. <laughs> animal ghosts. I've, yeah. We, had a few, we have a few on the island, too. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then Marie Cisneros did the Muskegon, Haunts of Muskegon, and she talked about the horse manure smell at some of those places over there. It still lingers. I rarely smell it anymore. You get used to it on the island. I bet. Yeah. I bet. You stop smelling fudge in a horse poop. Oh, you fudge, right. It, it goes away after a few months. You're like, everybody's like, oh, do you smell that? You're like, oh, you mean the horse poop. Or, oh, you mean it's, we're walking by a fudge shop. You smell the chocolate. Yeah. So. You talk about how a ghost might appear. You talk about full form apparition. Mm -hmm. But you say might not have feet yeah what i've it's a theory but i believe ghosts have a lot to do with memory memory of who you were and most people when they think of who they are it's usually like what you're seeing right now um chest to the head and then it gets less and less you think less of your waist to your legs or your feet so i think somehow when you see an apparition 
the easiest thing for them to remember is their face, is their shoulders, what you would see in a mirror every morning when you're getting up and getting ready to go for your day. So that's the strongest memory of ourself that we see. And you aren't usually looking down at your, well, some people might, but you don't usually sit there and stare at your feet, your chest. So that's why I think when you get an apparition, it's not like full body, head to toe. It's something to do with memory. Okay. And the more energy they have, the more they can present their entire body to their feet. That, that's interesting interesting first i had heard of that and then well i tell people set their meters if you got some kind of meter set it up off the ground at least yeah. three four feet off the ground for that reason yep so then the freeform apparition is the uh opposite of the full form apparition mm -hmm. you, you talk about ghost lights mist orbs and but don't you, talk to me that that is something that's gone <laughs> yeah you change your opinion from one book yeah, to the I other on, my orbs. Opinion on the orbs because at the time the jury was out on them and when the book was written uh people were still looking at it as a possibility but digital technology and all these different things were starting to pop up where you could start figuring things out more and we figured out Probably 99% of orbs are just a reflection in how the camera interprets it. It's dust, it's water vapor, it's possibly a bug. It could be a, a number of different things. Now, there are some situations where it might be something else. Okay. You do include poltergeist. Now, that was mm -hmm. like a, thir a third category. And then that's also what cat cat had poltergeist. So did the Duchesnes. But what about shadow people, shadow beings? Does that show up then under your free form apparitions? Sort of. The difference between what I would say in a, a normal apparition versus a shadow person is shadow person sometimes is extremely detailed without features. It's like looking at a person, they can turn to their side. You'll see their silhouette. You'll see their nose. There's a mouth. There's clothing of some sort on them. And if they face you, you just see the silhouette of their shoulders and their shape of their head. And maybe you'll see their ears sticking out where it's detailed, but there's no color. There's no light. It's just a black shadow of a person where with <clears throat> normal apparitions, you're dealing with like, you'll see the eyes, you'll see a mouth, a nose. Um, you could see like a hand, like the color. Sometimes you can see much more of it. Do you do you get reports of the shadow beings? I've seen them. I'm, I've I, seen them on the island. Oh, have you? Two times. Oh wow. Yeah, two times. Um, we have photos of uh, one shadow person that's in the same place, and two different photos that were taken probably seven or eight years apart, maybe more. And it's a similar shape, very maybe four feet away from where it was taken the other the other time, and uh, <clears throat> that's at Mission Point in the theater, and it's the same thing, but it's years apart. It's moved just a little bit. It's the same shape, and it's a black shadow, black mass. Wow, I don't I don't remember reading about that in the in your books. 
Um, might be in the third one. Uh, okay, all right. Uh, <laughs> Brandon and, and I saw, both have. We, saw him on an we were on an investigation in the soundstage at Mission Point, and we were watching shadows, two of them. They were probably 75 feet away from us, maybe a little bit more. But we could see them going back and forth in this faint light that was coming off like an emergency exit sign. So you could just barely see but you could see what looked like people walking back and forth. And every time we put our flashlights over there, there's nobody over. There's nothing there. So we couldn't figure that out. And that was the one time we saw him without a camera. Uh, we saw him with our own eyes and we didn't get a picture of him. Nothing turned out in the photos we were taking. But there's probably eight of us that saw that, maybe nine. And the one at the theater was no one saw it and it showed up in pictures. All right. Yeah, we'll be looking forward to the third book. Brandon has both of your books. Of course, Thank I do you. too right here. And then I like you, between the two books, you said out with the old, in with the new. That's when you had the new theory on yep. orbs. And it'll probably happen again. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was wondering. But you had also, you talked about the geological location and yep. electromagnetic fields on Mackinac Island. Yeah, Mackinac Island is pretty much... You hear about all the formations, our truck, Devil's Kitchen, Sugarloaf, all the big bluffs, the, the, the caves. It's all limestone. It's in limestone in the all over the place and it wears over wears away with time and, and, and erosion. But the island is primarily brachiated limestone, there's quartz, and there's a lot of research into the quartz and the limestone with um, how it works with electricity. Uh, I heard someone was working on a crystalline uh, quartz computer memory stick that could hold every movie ever made in a piece of crystal the size of a, a postage stamp. So there's something to do with crystal and limestone, either transmitting energy or storing energy, storing memory, storing something. Yeah, it's, and the per it's pretty much made of it. Perfect storm. Yeah. For, it's like a giant, it's, giant EMF pump. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I, and we also have uh, the currents around the island. Right. It's the Straits of Mackinac, so it's constantly moving at pretty good speed. People have been caught in the current, and we always tell people, if you're going to take a kayak out, don't go far, because you could wind up in the middle of Lake Huron. And the current just will grab you, grab a hold of your boat and just drag you all the way out. And you're fighting the current to get back. And if you have a cell phone signal, you'd be okay. But if you don't, you might be, uh, you might be in trouble. And there's actually a story of two guys in a rowboat that got caught in the current. And I think two weeks later, they found the boat and they were both dead. Oh, wow. Yeah. I could see that happening. You give, you give some tips in the books and you talk about it, how it's, tedious work it's not glamorous work no yeah it's i love to research and i have just like that's my other hobby my one hobby is obviously well it's not a hobby anymore it's become a career but ghost hunting but researching is something i love to get just the i never heard that before and find it and go wow I found it. It's true. This is the real thing. 
and finding things like we found identities to well you never know for sure but identities to some of our ghosts just doing research through going through death certificates and old obviously old newspapers and you find stories and you're like okay okay this makes sense this makes sense it's like puzzle pieces i love solving puzzles so one of the stories that got quoted incorrectly or maybe you even changed your opinion on this at some point was the drowning pool yeah that was uh it was an incorrect quote um <clears throat> i told the whole story but before i tell the story of the drowning pool i always tell people we don't have any proof of this it's a legend but everybody's like well let us know we want to know about the story let tell us about the drowning pool so i'm like i tell them the story and they forget or don't write down right. that I said, this is a legend. We don't have any proof of the full story, but I always say, you want to know how legends are born? The Drowning Pool, we found out how the legend is born. It was not our story. It was a carriage drivers that used to tell the story. They still do actually tell the story we found out. But um, that's where we originally heard it was through the carriage drivers. And we thought it was such a cool story that we started telling people, but we tell them it's a legend. We don't have any proof. <clears throat> but of course, me wanting to do research, being a researcher, I was like, okay, where's this coming from? And is it true or is it not? So I did a lot of research. There were no stories of witches on Mackin Island. So that part I knew wasn't true. However, there were brothels. We know that's true. We don't know if they ever... There's no record of them ever trying any of the prostitutes at the brothels. But we do know there were brothels there, particularly late 1700s through mid-1800s is when we think they were the biggest. When this fort was in full, full action and the fur trade was going crazy. Because you had a lot of lonely guys. They'd come to Mackinac Island. They'd get paid a lot of money for their fur. And then they would want some, some company. So there was some truth to that part of the story. We're like, okay, yeah, we know there were brothels. <clears throat> Something could have happened where some, some of the prostitutes got in trouble with some of the wives or who knows what, but uh, there's no record of that. And then we did find a record <clears throat> in the University of Michigan in Flint's library. It's the only record I've ever seen of any of this. And it was in a book, big book on the Great Lakes and a, his, a historical Great Lakes book. And there is two paragraphs that talk about St. Ignace and a Native American woman who was accused and convicted of prostitution when the French were in charge of St. Ignace. And her sentence was carried out to the fullest extent of the law. So it didn't say what they did. So I went and looked around the years that this took place and what would be the the sentence for prostitution, especially with a Native American, because it was a different time. They were considered savage in a different culture, and they didn't necessarily mesh with the French or the British or the Americans all the time. So what would they do? And it said execution was the sentence for prostitution under French law about that time. So we do know that there was a prostitute that was executed. We do know there are prostitutes on the island. The prostitute that was in St. Ignace, we know, was most likely executed. We don't have any record of that from Mackinac Island. But then we're like, okay, so she's Native American. She could be 
mysterious sort of witchy but not really a witch to the way we think of a witch more like someone who is native american customs which are different from the french customs so they would consider her a savage or a witch so we think that's where it was born we think that that was the story that started the drowning pool sort of was that story of a native american prostitute being executed and we're we're thinking how would the executor Back then, bullets weren't cheap. Uh, building a gallows was time-consuming, and you had to have lumber, and it wasn't so easy. You couldn't run to Home Depot. So typically, I would say the cheapest way to do it is just get some rope, put some rocks in it, throw it around her ankles, and toss her in the water. Done. Oh, yeah. End of story. So that's where we think the drowning part came from. And, of course, brothels. Again, it's just it's a legend. Right. And I think that's how the legend was born, was you mix all these different things together. Plus, we do know there's paranormal activity at the drowning pool. We've seen it ourselves. Uh, it's not like witches. You'll If you sit near the edge of this, this body of water long enough at night, you'll hear what sounds like somebody walking through this. It's gravel. And you'll hear, like, footsteps coming towards you in the gravel. You'll see... Uh, strange movement on the water surface. Sometimes you'll see the reeds on the other side, like somebody's walking through them, but there's no one there. So we have, uh, I have a friend on the island whose mom's told us about a story of someone who in the 1980s was out partying around the drowning pool, which is not its real name. It's, it's actually, it doesn't have a real name. But uh, there was a bunch of college students partying and drinking and having a good time. And this one guy went in the water and he went under and nobody noticed. And he didn't ever come back up alive. Well, he died in the water. He drowned. So we think that might be the ghost at the drowning pool. Oh. And the legend, and you mix it all together and you have witches seeking revenge. <laughs> right. But so you... it's, that's how a legend's born. You brought up brothels, and brothels are famously reported to be haunted. You know, that tortured life, white slavery, right. they called it. That tortured life just left to, led to unrest in the afterlife. So I could see that happening. Now, Fairy Island and Wishing Spring. We need to talk about that. Was that in a book? Or no, let's go to Dwarf Fairies first. Was that in book the number one book yep that's the first book basically dwarf the dwarf fairy yeah they're people they were they're fairies little dancing they're, people little dancing people is kind of what the i i talked to a native american who is like a um an elder wise man med, not he was a medicine man but he wasn't i mean it's modern times they don't do it as much uh, as they used to, but he was like a historian for for a tribe, and he told me they called them the Pot Potawata Janini. I everybody messes up how it's said. It's 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 a lot of letters that don't fit together, and it looks like Potawata Nini, which he said translates to little dancing lights, little dancing people, little dancing fairies, more or less. No. I think a fairy's small already. Now, if it's a dwarf fairy, does that make it even smaller yet? I'm No, I think it's just a bad translation. Um, the fairy lights are usually about the size. The smallest I've heard of is a large softball. The largest I've seen okay. or heard of is about the size of like a medicine ball. Really big, bigger than a basketball. 
So then another chapter Excuse me. is giant fairies. How, the giant fairies, how, yeah, the giant fairies, uh, again, it's legend. But there's rock formations on the island that lead you to believe that the legends had some sort of truth to them. Uh, there was a time before man, man didn't exist, and giants roamed the land, including Mackinac Island. And there was a time where the Geechee Manitou, the great god of the Native American, came and said, it's time for man. It's man's time. And you have to leave or I will turn you to stone. So a bunch of them decided they didn't want to leave and they tried to hide in the crack of the island at different places. And wherever they were hiding, when the Geechee Manitou said, it's time for man and slammed his hand in the water, I don't know what he did. And uh, they all turned to stones, giant boulders, rocks. Uh, the arch rock is supposedly a gateway to the island. Sherloaf was a wigwam. There's supposedly five, four fingers clinging to the edge of uh, the crack of the island, which is the four fingers of one of the giants who was trying to hide in the crack of the island. So those are the giant fairies. I love all these legends. Yeah, apparently they were into wine and dance also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, now there's sleeping turtle, the sleeping turtle god, and if you drink the magic water, you can be immortal. So, there is something we have called the wishing spring. Um, it's not a wishing spring anymore. In fact, if you drank the water, you'd probably do the exact opposite of being immortal. You'd probably be in an early grave. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, the wishing spring—you get one wish. Yep, and you have to you have to spin around three times, I think, and you make a wish, and you take a sip of the water, and your wish is granted. Uh, the story behind it is that there is a dark manitou who lived in a lake called Devil's Lake, which is above where the wishing spring is, and they don't even call it the wishing spring anymore. You had to look into history to find out why it was originally called the wishing spring and where it was. Uh, and when the dark Manitou, uh, evil entity, he took a woman in the water and kidnapped her. And there's a long story behind that Native American legend. But the water eventually dried up. And there's still a trickle of this water that comes down near our, near Devil's Kitchen. And that was where the wishing spring was. It's still a spring, but it's not so much a wishing spring. Now the water is apparently cursed. And if you touch the water you'll be cursed yeah cursed because of the wars and stuff now does anyone ever try to lift that curse I haven't heard anyone try and do yeah. it yeah but i do know that there's another legend on the island it's a place called friendship altar which is probably one of the least visited like rock formations on the island it's pretty far from town it's in a weird spot and it's not that impressive but uh, that is supposedly where mankind learned how to make agriculture, weapons, uh, technology. We learned all these things long, long ago. And when we started using bow and arrows, instead of using it for hunting, they started using them for war. The great teacher that would come to Friendship Altar and tell everyone how to do everything said, I'm not coming back until all wars and murders stop. It's interesting because there is another Fountain of Youth legend in Florida, in St. Augustine. 
I've been there. Oh, have you? Yep. I mean, I would think that would be a great attraction. I mean, that's everybody's looking for the fall. It draws movie. a lot of people. It drew a lot of people for sure. There were, it was not empty. There were quite a few people, and they say do not drink the water, but I'm sure some people probably do. I, I bet. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I hadn't realized. I missed that the first time I read through the books that the Fountain of Youth was actually supposedly on Mackinac Island at one time. Now, you tell a story about a penguin that disappears. It's funny you mentioned it because yeah. I brought him up. He was peeking earlier. Oh, nice. There he, <laughs> there he is. That is the penguin. He's not very big, kind of cute. Yeah. There's the penguin. This penguin's been places we haven't. <laughs> Apparently. Put him on my shoulder or something there. But... So the story of the penguin, we were on an investigation at Mission Point Theater, and it was, I think, five of us. We were all together the whole time. We put, we have a little story of a, there's a little girl who haunts the theater. She usually is up in the balcony, and there's a certain seat that she's usually seen in, or she moves the seat. So we started bringing her toys, something that would get her attention, and we just happened to pick up this little penguin so we're like it's cute you know put it on there she might play with it so we put it up there on her seat we roped off the staircase we were all together that night we were locked in there's one way in one way out nobody ever went in or out nobody went up on the balcony because and it was roped off so the end of the night we are breaking everything down and we check on the we went up to grab the penguin and it wasn't there. So at first we're like, oh, who took the penguin? Who was up there? And we're like, we were all together. Nobody did it. There's nobody there. Nobody knew we were investigating that night except for us and the security guards who didn't come in. They know not to come in when we're doing investigations. So the penguin's gone. And we're just like, well, I guess she got her toy. And we didn't think much of it other than the fact that this is really weird. And it disappeared. And we don't know what happened to it. Move forward, I think it was three years. Yeah, wow. Another investigation. We're out doing the same thing. Uh, we had an Etch-a-Sketch on her chair at that time. Uh, so she, we could see if she would her the electrical fields and manipulating magnetic filings and everything. We thought it might work. It never did. We never got it to work. But we'd put it up there every time we did an investigation in the theater. So we did the same type of thing, except no one who was there three years earlier was on this investigation. We put the Etch-a-Sketch up there, where I put the Etch-a-Sketch up there, on her seat, like I'd been doing. Didn't think anything of it, went downstairs, we roped it off, no one's allowed up on the balcony. It's for safety reasons as much as anything, because there's really not a good railing to stop you if you were to trip and go off the balcony. So at the end of the night, we go up to see if there's anything on the Etch-a-Sketch, if she's moved it or affected it in any way, shape, or form, and sitting right next to the Etch-a-Sketch was the penguin. <laughs> Three years later. Three years later. Wow. No one there knew about the penguin. I was the only one who knew about the penguin. And the penguin was sitting there, so I'm just like, I told everybody, I'm, I'm sitting there, I'm white, it turns white as a ghost, I was freaking out, I didn't know what to do. I was... We, we it's back and they're like what's back I, the penguin what penguin so i told them the whole story of how it disappeared like three years ago we just wrote it off as it's gone and then it's back and so it we don't know what happened to it i can't explain 
what happened to the penguin. I don't know if it went to another dimension or she took it or somebody really had a really great elaborate hoax planned on us. I don't know, but three years randomly showing up, no way we could figure out it got there three years later or how it disappeared in the first place. It's and, and, and that and that's some mind. commitment if somebody did it as a hoax because uh that's yeah, a long time to wait for the payoff <laughs> you wait three years for a payoff but you're not gonna probably see the payoff anyway yeah because <laughs> there's nobody there but us yeah, yeah. So. brandon have you ever had that happen something disappear like that i can't think of anything where i've ever had anything like that where something disappeared but that's the only time that's ever happened to me yeah we've had so people on the show yeah um Steve Wilson from Australia yeah. had the Moldavite that disappeared, and then, or Bill Konkoleski yeah, had some one. Moldavite yeah. that disappeared, and then like a year or two later shows up again right where he left it, and then, okay. and then um, another guy we had on Dave Emmons who is also alien abductee guy, he he calls it. Aports, A P P O R T S, and he okay. I, he seemed to think it was something to do with aliens. But I knew of your story, and it seemed it like it feel was feel like aliens to me. See, I don't know though. I mean, like you said, maybe another dimension. Where'd this thing go for three yeah. years? The penguin's for gone years. for three years. Gone, and I, you know it's funny. I've never shown him before. It's always been sitting in my office for years. And everyone's like, where's the penguin? You should bring it to like when you do presentations to the public and everything. So I was going to bring it to Paracon this year. Completely forgot him. So I'm doing a Strange Escapes with Amy Bruni in two weeks, a week and a half to a week. And I'm bringing it. I got to remember to bring it because I'm going to talk about it. Because we'll be in the theater when I do it. Okay. Yeah. Why don't we talk about some engagements that you've been on and and we can go ahead and go into upcoming for you too. Sure. Brandon, did you go to anything tonight this uh, year? No. Did you just uh, go to Bigfoot training? I didn't even get to make it up there to that this year. Oh, okay. Getting married in October, so things have been kind of chaotic and busy uh, <laughs> this year, this fall. <laughs> so yeah, I've just been doing the presentations. Uh, that's pretty much about it. Yeah, but so you you did some uh, paracons. Um, yep, I do paracon every year. We've done it every year. It's been going since the beginning. Uh, we did uh, Grand Little Traverse Bay in the spring. Uh, those are the times where I go and present. And uh, Amy's coming up next week, so we're gonna do. We do a lot with their group. It's fun. It's a good time. I highly recommend it. Which group it's is that? Not just ghost hunting. Uh, Amy Bruni uh, does Strange Escapes. She tr- does like it's like paranormal travel, where you go ghost hunting, you go on ghost tours. Usually, there's some sort of a costume or masquerade party, and she has a bunch of speakers in the field, and it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Oh yeah. And uh, the other thing that's going on is. Uh, I guess I can let the cat out of the bag um, because it's less than a week away. And, but uh, Grand Hotel has me coming in and doing a presentation for about 600 people. And Grand Hotel has been very 
we don't have ghosts. We don't believe in ghosts. Ghosts oh. don't exist. Oh, yeah. And we don't talk about the ghost stories here. So I'm the first person who gets to go there and actually talk about wow. ghost stories. Yeah, which is cool. kind of nerve-wracking. I mean, but they, they signed me up for a series of lectures for ghost stories. Attitudes <laughs> changing slowly. Yep. Yeah. Have you been hoaxed before? You brought hoaxes up. Yeah, it's usually pretty. I'm very, like I said, skeptical about so many things, and I always find out the answers to things. Um, we had one person who was hoaxing us with a car remote when in those like little key fob. We caught him. We figured out what was going on, and we looked at him. And we said, "Really? Seriously? Why?" It's interesting. I was having fun. I'm like, yeah, but we're trying to find out like real answers to real questions from someone who can't speak and you're answering for them. Because yeah. <laughs> every time he hit his remote, we could get the meters to go off, K2 meters and Mel meters. They would, they would get the signal. And he was answering yes and no questions with a key remote. Okay. So and you've been hoaxed. And then we've had times where we've come up with answers to things that you would never expect. We had a guy who he, he was setting off the meters, all of our meters, all different meters, um, all electrical meters. He was like lit up and like I, I never been able to get that strong of a charge off a human being. Oh, wow. I've seen little ones, but he was <clears throat> he was he was not as strong as a cell phone, but as about as strong as. Uh, maybe almost as strong as a key remote. Wow. And I'm like, you got a cell phone on you. No, here, take it. He gave us everything. He took the keys out of his pocket. He didn't have a remote on it. And he had, he's like, I have nothing on me. And we're like, it's still going off. And he goes, do you think a pacemaker would set it off? Yeah. So a pacemaker sets off electrical equipment yeah. or ghosting equipment. Yeah. We figured that out that night. And that's why he was like, a hot box of electricity because wow. <laughs> he had a pacemaker and you couldn't see it. He couldn't pull out of his pocket, of course, but it was there and it's generating a charge and it was setting off the meter. That's funny. Yeah. That's a good thing to know though, too. <laughs> I've, oh, yeah. I've seen people put off a charge and we've even measured a charge on cremated ashes. Okay. Yeah. I mean, everything is energy. And then I like in your book, you talk about how you can take a K2 emf meter ask yes and no questions and then get that thing to light up once mm -hmm. for yes twice for no or whatever and just hope someone doesn't have a key remote in their pocket yeah yeah, yeah. so upcoming you did you got that out of the way already upcoming places that you're going to for more yeah, lectures uh, well i'll be doing the grand hotel thing uh i don't know who it's open to generally uh, they just told me it'll be four to 600 people each time I do it. So there's just a lot of people. It's probably guests at the hotel. And uh, Amy Bruni and then also Candice and Exy are doing uh, an event on the island in mid-October. And we're going to be a big part of that. And I might pop into Mid-Michigan Paranormal uh, Convention. Uh, I might do the old mill. I'm not speaking, but I might just show up to say hi to friends and things. Okay. Yeah, you dropped Exie's name. We love yep. her here on this show. Oh, she, yeah, she's everywhere sweet. she goes, there's stuff happening. 
Oh yeah, I know. I can't wait to get her up to the island because I mean, I'm just gonna be like, I'm sorry, you're not gonna sleep, and you're gonna have a lot of people <laughs> talking to you. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> there's yeah. a lot going on. Every time we bring someone to the island who who's sensitive, they're just like, oh, they won't shut up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd like to hang out with Exy. I wore my hat. Now, it says Mac Mackinac City, Mackinac right? City. Now. Yep, There's a difference in pronunciation between the city nope, and the nope, island. It's, the it's both pronounced Mackinac, but they're off. spelled differently. <laughs> yep. And that actually is the French spelling of Mackinac is ends with a C. The British or English ends with a W. And the French had the Upper Peninsula when I guess it was named, and the British had the Lower Peninsula. So they took the W, they took the C, and it stayed. So anything from the bridge north is with a C, and everything from south of the bridge is with a W. Okay. I'm glad we cleared that up. I knew it was something yep. like that. I drew this map or whatever drawing of the island, mm -hmm. and I never realized how much the island looks like a head of a turtle. Yeah. With the does. mouth, the mouth where you, the bay is and stuff. Yep. Now, can you give people an idea how big this island is? Uh, it's 8.2 miles if you go around the edge of the island. It is the only highway, I believe, in the United States that does not allow automobiles or, or motorized vehicles. It's off bicycles, horses and carriages, and people on foot. So it's pretty much 8.2 miles around. I forget how many acres the island is. But uh, you can get lost on the island, but if you go in a straight line, you'll find the water. Yeah, I would, yeah, I would, I would, hope, I would hope so. Guarantee you can get back to town. You just got to follow the road That's because it goes in a circle. Seems, but, uh, seems like I mean, read 14 islands would fit in uh, Detroit City. Yeah, it's not big. It's big, but it it it's not so big that it's unbelievable i've walked around the island it's a long walk and it will eight hours eight how long did it take you eight hours walking around um we stopped on the way uh it was when they walked uh, the highway around the island they got some really bad wave storms and it took out some of the road really bad through boulders all over the place you never imagine how powerful waves can be until you actually see what they've done and so they were con doing construction to fix everything around the island and they had it all like he was two summers ago yes two summers ago so they had the the free the freeway the road around the island was closed you couldn't go on it you were supposed to walk on it bike on it so all the tourists had to go to these cones and blockades and then turn around and head back to town so you could get to british landing on one direction and you could get just past arch rock on the other because everything between british landing and arch rock there isn't a whole lot other than woods and and forests and the shoreline there isn't a whole lot for tourists to see so they closed that area and that was when we walked around the island uh we we knew someone who lived in the area that was closed that you weren't supposed to go we got stopped probably four times by construction workers hey you're not supposed to be back here and we're just like oh we're going to see we're going to see candy she lives back up there oh, okay she know you're coming oh yeah sure 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 so we just used it as an excuse to go around the island when no one was there. So we could see the damage, the roads washed out, there's boulders everywhere, things the tourists didn't get to see. 
And we stopped by her house, said hi. She was feeding her horses. We said bye. We kept going uh, just so we were kind of telling the truth. And the funny thing is, is when we finished going around the island, got to British Landing where it was closed off, they stopped us when we were leaving the area we weren't supposed to go to say, you're not supposed to be here. We go, I know, we're leaving. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You think they'll ever go to electric vehicles? No, I do know there's electric bikes, but uh, they have to be a class one, which is a pedal assist bike, and you have to have a medical reason to use it. However, there are a lot of them on the island, and I don't think that everybody who has them has a medical reason. Oh. It's just kind of, it's happening. What about the, police? So electric bikes are probably going to be a thing, but I think they're going to limit them to pedal assist only. Oh, yeah. Police and fire department, do, what do they do? Oh, they well, yeah, you have fire truck, ambulance. Okay. All right. Uh, a few police cars. The state park has a few pickup, like one or two pickup trucks on the island. Uh, I've ridden in one of the pickup trucks, and I got to drive one of the pickup trucks for like a hundred yards, just because I got to drive a car on Mackinac Island. Okay. <laughs> now your two books, Haunts of Mackinac. This was the second one. The next chapter. Yep. More ghost stories and legends and tragic tales of Mackinac. And the first one's Haunts of Mackinac, Legends and Tragic Tales, right? Right. And then explain how the tour works so everyone understands and if there are still openings so they can come up and go on your Haunts Um, of Mackinac tour. Tonight, we're not going. We're sold out. Yeah, I bet. Uh, it just it happens. It's getting close to Halloween. We sell out a lot of nights. Uh, we run the tour from early May to late October. This year, our last tour is October 28th. Um, that night usually sells out, and people come in costume because it's the big island Halloween costume party. There's trick-or-treating, and we do everything you would normally do on Halloween, but we do it a few days earlier because all the hotels close down the next day and most tourists sleep. So we have the tour running right now, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday nights. We close on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. We're shorthanded. We need tour guides. Um, We run a 9 o'clock tour. You have to stay on the island this time of year in order to go on the tour because the last ferry, I think, is at 6 p.m. And a ghost tour is not that much fun if it's not dark. So that's why we do it at night. We ghost on at night, too, and we go ghost touring at night. And uh, you can get tickets at hauntsofmackinaw.com. Um, the book's available on Amazon. They sell plenty of them, trust me. And if you want an autographed copy, you got to go to the island because all the copies on the island, we autogra- I autograph them, and I do autograph all of them. <laughs> yeah, my my books are autographed because I ran into you over there at the yep. Ghost Coast convention there that the the jones has put on now uh i got the final thought and then like brandon to weigh in on this also real magic in your life like where is it coming from now i'm going to start with brandon on that one where's the magic coming from in your life right now Mine would be probably that I'm getting married, so I'd probably put it there. I set him up for this. I knew he was going to get brownie points for this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's got some real magic in his life right now. 
That's a good answer. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Todd, how about you? You got real magic in your life? Um, my family's happy and we're healthy and everybody's good. That for me is the greatest thing that can happen. You live on a magical island. I'm wondering, do you wait till for a thunderstorm and then think, uh, hey, this might be a good night to go out and see if the Native oh. Americans are restless? Uh, I will admit we've done investigations in thunderstorms and activity does tend to kick up a bit on a thunderstorm night. Sure. Now, there's been magic. I mean, there's magic. I think for me, uh, music has mad been magical in my life. And uh, there's magic in uh, the medical field all the time. Um, Our Lady of Lords in 2008, the, seven, the 70th miracle was recorded and accepted by the Catholic Church. So I really think it's, it's around us. The thing about magic is it happens so fast. Usually we don't really see it happening, but it's there all the time. And oh, like yeah, you, you said, don't see it. Yep. It's in your family and the love of your family. Brandon getting married. He's surrounded by it. I have a loving wife surrounded by magic. So it's the inspirational thought. And then the show is over. An inspirational thought comes from a comic writer, Christopher Moore. And he writes, children see magic because they look for it. So don't stop looking for the magic. It's out there. Appreciate your time, Todd Clements. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Peace out. Take care. See you. Family-owned Faro's Pizza underwrites this episode of Grand Rapids Ghost Hunters podcast. Newly opened at 901 Gazan Parkway, Southwest Wyoming, and available at 616-483-0002. The opinions expressed in the preceding program are those of the producer and not necessarily those of WKTV Community Media.